Jesus' name. Everybody who agreed with that said amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Taylor. Well, uh, Taylor, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is your last camp as youth pastor. That's a big deal, isn't it? Taylor is our executive pastor. He's been our executive pastor for a number of months now. But uh, he's been working with uh, a team of young leaders to take over UD, and they are killing it. Him and Noel have uh, faithfully served in our youth ministry for uh, 14 years? 13 years? And amazing. You'll hear more about that in the weeks to come. But uh, yeah, exciting, exciting times, transition times, uh, good things are happening. But a lot of you are going through transitions as well. Uh, you're saying goodbye to seniors uh, as they go off to college or getting ready to go off to college. Uh, you're marrying off daughters and sons and uh, having babies and uh, making things happen. You know, the scripture talks to us about the end times and it talks about how when we start to see signs of the end times to just remind ourselves to occupy till he comes. In other words, keep doing life. Don't put life on hold for things to, until things get better. Some of us are waiting. Some people have still not left their homes because of COVID yet. Okay? And so they're waiting to occupy until he comes. Or uh, they're waiting to occupy after things get better. Occupy now. Enjoy life. Get out there. Make the most out of this summer. Make the most out of your life. Uh, let's live. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly, right? And so one of the ways that he does that is he gives us his word. And, uh, and his word doesn't just tell us about all the happy things that are going on and all the good things that are happening. He also prepares us for the darker things. And keep in mind, there is a difference between darkness and evil. Did you know that? You see, we go through dark times. That doesn't necessarily mean evil's happening. It just means it's dark. It's just not favorable. It's not good. It's not fun. You might be experiencing the results of a consequence of a behavior or an action that you took, and it puts you into a dark season or a bad relationship or something that's not working, right? And just because it's dark or just because it's not favorable, just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean that it's evil, okay? So just remember that. Not everything that's dark is the enemy. It's just unfavorable. It's just not good. Okay? Evil has an intention behind it. It has a desired result. It has a desire to harm and to hurt. This is all for free. I wasn't planning on saying this, but I just feel like... <laughs> did you ever see Ratatouille? The little mouse in the hat? I just feel the little mouse in the hat is stirring me in this area. Okay, if you haven't seen the movie, you better see it so that you can fulfill your theology. But, um, but, uh, but no, seriously, there is there's an evil intent. And, uh, and today, uh, we need to discuss a little bit of that. Because uh, intent is huge. Intent 
to harm or intent to disrupt or an intent to divide. It's interesting where the list of seven things that God hates, the seventh one is, is he who sows discord amongst the brethren. He doesn't like division. He likes unity. He likes love. He likes compassion. And, and so when we sow discord, when we divide a congregation or we divide a marriage or we divide something, it's not on Jesus, not on God's top 10 list of fun things to do or good things to do. It's on the list of things that he hates, can't stand to watch it. Any of you that have been through some divisive things, you understand. You don't like it either, even if you're the one that caused it. You don't like how it turned out. And so uh, we need to understand the times so that we know what to do. In fact, that's what I want to talk to you about today, is understanding the times so that you know what to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit that leads us, guides us, and directs us. We thank you for that still small voice that lies within us, that awakens us up, that tunes our eye to certain things, makes us aware. And we pray that today you would sharpen that within us. In Jesus' name, amen. First Chronicles chapter 12 talks about um, David selecting his mighty men. Uh, when Saul was in pursuit of David, uh, David was beginning to develop some rebellious people from other tribes, if you will, uh, people that were men and uh, people that were, uh, you know, they were kind of rejected from society in many cases. And so all of a sudden people started seeing that David was a righteous king and he was a good leader and Saul had lost the plot and he was getting pretty dark and he was going down the wrong way. He was running away from God David was running towards God. But David was really wise in how he approached this uh, attack of the enemy that he was experiencing. One of the things that he did is he started gathering some men together, some people in the troops uh, from different tribes of Israel. One of those tribes... uh, was called the sons of Issachar, or the tribes was called uh, uh, the Issachar tribe. And there were the sons of Issachar that David chose specifically. Now, of other tribes, he had 25,000 from one tribe, 30,000 from another tribe, 12,000 from another tribe, but only 200 from this small, from this tribe, which actually wasn't that small, but only 200 were selected from the sons of Issachar. And these sons of Issachar, they were selected. Well, let me just read it to you. From verse 32, it says, From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. And all these men understood the signs, and they knew the best course for Israel to take. One translation says it like this. They understood the times, and they knew what to do. You know... It's no question why there was only 200. Because most of the other tribes were very well versed in their culture, in their religion, in their Jewish tradition. But they were unaware of 
the bulk of the people which were living outside of that. They were unaware of the times and they didn't know what to do. We are living in a time when we need to become aware of our culture, of the times in which we live in, so that we know what to do. Because we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to raise our families. We have a responsibility to uphold the word of God. We have a responsibility to teach the values, to pass them on to our children, to our children's children. We have a responsibility. But in order for us to know how to do this, we need to understand the times and know what to do. Now, I've heard this spoken a lot lately that people are saying things like, I don't watch the news. And I get that. I understand why they do that. Because it depends on what channel you turn on, you're hearing different narratives, right? Then after a while, it gets a little bit frustrating. So you just block out the news because you don't know what you can trust. But you can't block out looking at culture. You can't block out what's happening in schools. You can't block out what's happening with our military. You can't block out what's happening in our communities. You can't block out what's happening with homelessness and what's happening with immigration, all these things. You can't block that stuff out and pretend like it doesn't exist. It does exist. You can't block out racism. You have to look at these things and then you have to understand them so that you know what to do. You can't just wait until something burns down before you open your eyes. You can't just wait until it affects your specific family. You have to open your eyes to see the signs of the times so that you know what to do. And last week we read a scripture that was really important to me. I think I'm going to read it again. I think I should read it again. I don't have it on the PowerPoint, so you're just going to have to listen or open up your Bibles, pull it up on your phone. If you're on your phone, make sure you're looking at scripture. Okay. <laughs> I come walking down the aisle during worship and people are on Facebook and they're looking at Instagram. It's like, come on. Come on. Just one hour. Okay, hour and 20 minutes. It's not a big deal. We can do this. Amen. Let's read this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Understand this. In the last days there will be Times of difficulty. Think there's any times of difficulty at all? For people will be lovers of self. Okay, another instead of Jesus being center, self is centered. Me, my. Just sit on that for a second. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. In other words, there's nothing you can say to that person. Doesn't matter what you give them, they're still gonna find something wrong with you. Still gonna find something wrong with your approach to the the topic. Unappeasable. Hmm. Slanderous. Being willing to slander somebody until they no longer 
can do their job anymore. Without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Oh, man, do you see that around? Yeah. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but not denying its power, avoid such people. Guys, there are some people that we need to avoid. And I'm not talking about you don't, list, don't reach out to somebody uh, to minister to them. There's a difference between ministering to somebody at work or at the coffee shop than bringing them into your home and bringing them in as one of your, your, your core. Okay, look at your core. Is your core a positive influence? Are they aware of the things of God? Are they open to the things of God? Are they in pursuit of the things of God? Or are they against those things? Okay, that's enough. That's enough to give you an idea that we're living in a time where we need to be able to discern the times so that we know what to do. You know, there's some things that make you go, hmm. You ever, you know what that is? Every once in a while, Tina and I will be walking down the road and we'll see some interesting person or interesting situation and we'll just be kind of walking and one of us will go, hmm, like that. You know, there's just some things that make it go, hmm. You have to, you have to think about this. Now, what, what's behind this or what's the intent of this or what's going on here? And, and so we just go, hmm. And so we know, we just look straight ahead. We don't say a word. We just go, hmm. So here's some things that make you go, hmm, that should make you go, hmm. We should be discerning. Well, in fact, let's read the scripture, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. And uh, verse 2. Well, let's look at verse 1. Start with verse 1. One day, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus, demanding that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. This is interesting. Oh. Should I go into this or not? Uh, let me just read it. Let me just read this, and then I'll, I'll come back to it. Demanding to show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He replied, you know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the signs of the times. Okay, so he's saying that you guys know how to interpret the signs of the times. You can read the sky and you know what's going to be happening tomorrow. You, this is a natural thing. You look at what's happening. I was in Africa one time. We're sitting with a bunch of chiefs and there was people gathering to hear what the chiefs were going to say, and, and the chiefs can't smile or laugh or anything like that. They just have to be stoic. And, and so we, we were sitting there, and all of a sudden, this black cloud comes over, and thunder just cracks loud, and just louder than anything I'd ever heard. And I hear this one chief say, God is speaking. <laughs> and I was like, I lean over, I go, What's he saying? <laughs> he says, 
it's about to rain. <laughs> and Jesus then goes on to say, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then Jesus left them and walked away. In other words, he drops the mic and walks away. Okay. So an evil uh, and adulterous generation, it's a generation that has attached themselves to something other than God. Uh, something, uh, whether it's culture or their own set of beliefs or their own morality or their own pleasures or their own desires become king. And the only way you're going to distract them from that is if God himself shows up and does a miraculous sign. He says only an adulterous, evil generation demands a sign. Uh, the rest uh, are aware they can see, they can read the sign, they can see the signs, okay? And so Jesus is saying that you need to wake up a little bit here because you can read when it's going to rain, when the wind's going to blow and all the things. You can see when the storm is coming and you read that, but you're not looking at the culture around you and seeing where it's taken you. And there are some things that make you go, hmm, and just the number of them that are happening right, right now in front of us, right now, that we need to, to take a look at and use some discernment. We need to use discernment. Because there's this, that when we're lacking discernment, we can see things going around us and we don't realize. We see the actual thing that's happening, but we don't see the intention that's behind it. And sometimes there are things that are happening that have intentions behind them. They're not just dark. They're actually evil. And so we need to be aware. When you see that academia is void of any type of Christian moral or value. In fact, oftentimes it's looked at as being judgmental and evil itself. When Christian morals are meant, that are meant to protect family are seen as bullying. When telling a parent to do research before giving your baby a vaccination is seen as ignorant or anti-vax. You have to ask yourself, is there an intention behind this? You have to look a little deeper, okay? Now, whatever you choose on that area... That's up to you as parents and as grandparents, and you guys have to make your own decisions, okay? I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you, you, you got to use some discernment. You got to think more than just a news narrative. If your decisions on some of these things or your opinion on some of these things that I'm about to show you here is formed by just the news and not by you doing some digging and some research until you are satisfied. If that doesn't happen, then you are allowing culture to shape your decisions and not the kingdom. We have to be careful. When we, when we see war, do we assume that our ally is always right? When our news channel has the final word on these things, you have to go, hmm. 
when opinions are silenced. When your son or daughter are at the age to choose for themselves what way they want to live, how they want to raise their family, how they want to approach the morals that you raise them with, and they choose to go a different direction, what are you going to do then? You're going to disown them? You're going to make their choice okay? What are you going to do? Things that make you go, hmm, what am I going to do? You need discernment. You need wisdom. You don't just walk away from your kid. You don't just condone every behavior. You need discernment. When you feel righteous anger but want to violently attack, what do you do? When you know that you have a kingdom thought, but you have a fleshly desire. What do you do? You need discernment, don't you? All these things that I just mentioned all have kingdom perspectives that need to be sought after. And so we have left and right opinions, Republican and Democrat opinions. We have secular opinions. We have news media opinions. We have family opinions. We have personal preferences. We have cultural mandates. We have all kinds of things that are going on around us right now. But if you're following after the things of God, you need to seek after the kingdom. The scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 6, when he was saying, don't worry about the stuff about tomorrow, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, all these kinds of things. He's He says, just seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God and all these other things will be added unto you. I think we have that scripture, yeah. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Pretty simple. But seek the kingdom above all else. Above the way you were raised. Above the political party you were raised with. Above the church you grew up in. Above the theology you were taught. We seek first the kingdom of God. And the righteousness and act righteously. And all the things that we need will be added to us. Including when we need wisdom. Okay, Discernment's an interesting word because discernment is kind of a mixture of different gifts. Discernment observes and sees and runs through the wisdom of Jesus, runs through the wisdom of Scripture. Discernment observes and is prophetic in nature. It always knows that there's something beyond the surface. There's a deeper drive. There's a deeper intent. There's something more behind this. Not as fear, not as being somebody that's skeptical. It just means that We know that certain ideologies and certain preferences and certain ways of culture has something driving it, right? And so we want to make sure it's kingdom. And if it's not kingdom, we're out. We're out.
When it says that um, the only the sign of Jonah will be given, Jesus said. He says that an evil generation seeks a sign, but they're only, the only thing they're going to get is the sign of Jonah. What was the sign of Jonah? The sign of Jonah was is that this is a pattern. A pattern is, is that when you know something is right to do and God's put it on your heart to do it and you choose to run away from it, that you're going to go into a time where you're going to feel completely buried, where you can't move, where nothing works. Jonah was swallowed up by a fish because he rebelled against the call of God on his life, and so they threw him overboard. Stuff happens. Here's what happens. When you align with the dark side, eventually they'll throw you overboard. And they threw him overboard, and he gets swallowed by a fish, and he's there for three days. He's buried. He can't move. He's stuck. Can't go anywhere. And so it's in there that he does some thinking. In the belly of a whale. You know, every time you get swallowed up by a big fish, you have a lot of time to think. (laughs) There's just something about being in the belly of a fish where you really have some time to think. And when you have some time to think, that's when God speaks. And then there was repentance. And when he repented, he gets spit out onto the shore to go out and do the thing that he knows to do. Some of you guys have been in a season of life where you've just kind of ran away from the things of God or buried your head from certain things. And God's opening your eyes to see that it's time that you wake up and pursue kingdom. The kingdom of God. Righteousness, the peace, and the joy in the Holy Spirit. Some of us are, are following after certain policies and we're fighting for this or fighting for that in, in pol- the political realm instead of fighting for the kingdom. And I, I think that there's a place for politics for Christians. I think that they should fight for policies. But what I'm saying is, number one, we seek first the kingdom first. And the kingdom of God is the righteousness, the peace and joy in the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit speaks to us. The interesting thing with Jonah, the final thing ends up with resurrection. It's a symbolic of what Jesus went through in, in the grave. And so what happens is, is that the only, Jesus is saying the only sign is, is going to be is if you're on the wrong course, the best thing to do is repent and God will resurrect you. And some of us have been wrong about things. I've been wrong in these last few years about some things. And God's opening my eyes to see some things. Some things that make me go, hmm, there might be more to this than that. What's the kingdom perspective? Last week, I gave you a message about the innocence of children, and I started realizing that right before my very eyes, the innocence from children is being stolen. If you weren't here last week, get that message. I think it's important that we listen to that. And so let's be careful with our kids. Hebrews chapter 5, starting with verse 11 Paul is talking to the Hebrew Christians that were, um, they were dealing with a lot of persecution. And he comes to them and he says, I have so much to say that it's, and it's hard to explain since you've become um, dull of hearing. This is what Paul is saying to them. You've become dull of hearing. 
For by this time you ought to be teachers, you need to teach, um, some, but you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a, a child. But solid food is for the mature, those who have, now look at this, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Okay, listen to this. Discernment that is trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So we, as Christians, if we're going to be mature and not just live on milk, have to distinguish between good and evil. In fact, in fact, it says that we need to practice it. In other words, we're looking at the things that are going on around us and we're discerning what's evil and what's good. What's evil and what is good. We need to look between what is good and what is evil. The practice of that, the practice of that is discernment. When we begin to train ourselves by practicing it, so everything that comes up, we discern it through. Is this kingdom or not? It's quiet in this room right now. It makes me go, hmm. <laughs> so let's take a look at some things that we can do to lift up our discernment because we need some right now. Because I don't know some of these things. I don't know what position I'm going to take on some of these things that we're facing right now. And so I'm doing deep dives. I'm starting to look behind some things. I will tell you that there are some ancient patterns that go way back before Jesus' time that are being, they're starting to surface right now. Okay? In the area of the occult and in the area of demonic type things, it's starting to surface right now. It's starting to show up in Hollywood, starting to show up in different narratives. It's starting to happen. And I'm not talking about things that have happened in our country. I'm talking about things that have happened in ancient times that are starting to surface today. Okay? And so we need to be aware when we start to see some things. So here's some things that will sharpen your discernment. I think this will help. First of all, notice the fruit of culture. Notice the fruit of culture. Okay? You have to take a look at what's happening. There's, when you live a life void of the kingdom, when you live a life outside of the moral construct, of Christ, there's always going to be some sort of consequence or some sort of fruit. When you follow after the kingdom of God, things start working. Okay, relationships that were broken get repaired. Okay, habits and behaviors start to shift and change. Why? Because you're not no longer operating on your own desires, you're operating on kingdom desires. So you have kingdom pursuits. And when I say kingdom, what I mean by that is, is when your soul, your mind, your emotions, your will, your memory, your story, all of that stuff, the, the inner workings of your soul, the part of us that we don't see unless you tell us about it, that 
thing that's going on on the inside of you, if you rule that, you're in trouble. It's Christ that rules that. And then you follow Christ. Okay, you see? you following Christ, whatever is Christ-like, whatever is of Christ, that's where you go. So you, in a sense, you do control, but you control by following Christ. That's where the self-control comes in. So we have self-control, but we're not self-centered. We control ourselves. So that's where you see something that's righteous and you want to do something righteous, but you feel like you want to be violent in doing it, then you realize, well, that's not kingdom. Just like, the, like when, uh, the, that when uh, Peter cut off the ear of the soldier and Jesus grabs the ear and he goes, we don't do it like that. And he puts the ear back on. He, that's, not, that's not how we roll, dude. We don't do this in my kingdom. Okay? So he had a righteous desire, but he had a violent response. Are you following me? Yeah. That's not how we roll. Yeah. And so we got to notice the fruit of culture. We got to look at the intent behind things. We got to see what's behind something. And so when you see the results in our schools of what's happening to kids and, and their, their mental condition, when you start to see the suicide rates and stuff, you start to notice in culture something's not right. And what's not right? What's not right? And so you have to look in to see what's missing. Why is there a culture that my kid is molding to that is different than the culture that we've raised them with? Why is that? Is that the teacher? Is it the curriculum? Is it the principal? Is it the concept? What is it? And so you have to use discernment and look to see, okay, what is that? Well, maybe it means that I have to be more involved. Maybe I need to go in and sit in on a class or whatever. But you use discernment to decide what you're going to do. Because you're like the sons of Issachar. You understand the times. Then you know what to do. But you can't understand the times unless you poke your nose around and see some things. Okay, well... You know, we have to notice things. Um, I remember one time when I was a kid, I was about eight, 10 years old. We thought it was a really good idea. My, my friend, Rude Will, the reason his name is Rude Will is because he never brushed his teeth and his teeth were green. And, um, and his bedroom was so gross and dirty. His piranha tank kept, the water kept evaporating out of the tank and It'd be about that deep, and then we'd feed it goldfish and just watch them eat it. But the poor piranhas would have to swim on their side because there was hardly any water in it. But Rudewell, anyway, that was his nickname. Um, so Rudewell, he was a funny guy. Uh, Rudewell and I, we thought it was funny to throw snowballs at cars. And so we threw snowballs at cars, and all of a sudden this car slams on the brakes, spins around on the snow and ice, and and and. About five guys jumped out. We, we discerned really quickly that it's time, <laughs> it's time to run. And so we ran. I, and I ran, ran, ran. Did, forgot that we're running in the snow and you can follow the footprints. 
So I see this big, huge bank of sticker bushes. I go, I know, I'll just dive into the middle of that. They'll never come and get me. Wrong. And they came in there. They whacked away at those, those sticker bushes with, with a big stick that they had. And, and uh, I go, oh, they're going to use that stick on me. I could see, I could see them coming. And uh, they dragged me out of those sticker bushes. And they grabbed me behind my, my hands like that. And they were gonna, about ready to hit me. And all of a sudden, this guy came running out of his house with a baseball bat. He's about this tall. And he comes out with a baseball bat. And he goes, he comes out and used all kinds of words I'd never heard before. And, um, and started swinging that bat and says, who wants? to be the first one to get their head bashed in and they all took off running and and so that was a lesson in discernment do not throw snowballs at cars (laughs) but what happened is as a kid I learned by seeing what my consequences were and I saw what could happen when you throw a snowball I discern that this is not a good idea to be involved with something like this so I still don't throw snowballs at cars <laughs> as a result. You got to notice the fruit of culture. The number two, renew your mind to a biblical framework or a biblical narrative. Okay? Guys, we have to ask ourselves are we working hard to develop a Christ centered narrative? Or are we allowing the world to shape our narrative? Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 12. He says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Now notice this. A lot of people are saying, my body, my choice, when it comes to abortion or vaccines or all these kinds of things. What I would say is, give your body to God. Give your body to God. I plead with you, give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Guys, we change how we think by following God. We don't change what God says because of culture. We follow after God and we let him transform us into being a new person by changing the way that we think. Then we learn to know God's will for us, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. This is how we are. Now, you guys, you can't expect people that aren't Christians to think like this. But if you're a Christian and you think like this, or different than this, we got a problem. Renew your mind to a biblical framework. Number three, act on a kingdom mission with a kingdom spirit. You know, some of us are, we all have passions. We have passions. We wanna see things in our society fixed. We want to see the things with the police fixed. We want to see things with homelessness fixed. We want to see healing in the area of racism. We want to see those things. And we want to see them happen through a kingdom perspective. 
with the kingdom spirit, not through the world spirit. We're not people of the world. We're people of the kingdom. But we need to act on kingdom mission. Every single person in here should have a mission. Everybody should. It'll come out of the passion that God put inside of you. Because you were born for such a time as this. All these things that are going on in this world, you were born for these things. And you were born to help solve it. But you were here to solve it through a kingdom spirit. So pick your mission and get to work. Some of you, your mission is the church. Some of you, your mission is homelessness, stopping it. Some of you, you're advocates for those that are addicts getting set free. Whatever your mission is, get with it and let's heal our world. Last one, ask, seek, and knock. If we're going to awaken our discernment, we need to ask, we need to seek, and we need to knock. Matthew 7, 7, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. This verse is the theme of my life. Asking, seeking, and knocking. If you want to awaken up your your discernment, you need to be in a posture that is inquisitive. You're asking, you're seeking, and you're knocking till doors are open. One of the things that I would encourage you to do is when you're trying to look at one of these cultural things that if we brought it up here and debated it from the stage, some of you would walk out, some of you would stay because they're, they're complicated issues and they, they hit us really deep in our souls and, and, if, and we don't know how to, how to deal with them without dividing our family or our marriage or our church but they need to be dealt with. And one of the things I encourage you to do is is listen to the prophetic voices that are around you. Every week we have people up here that are trained to pray for for people, that pray for people and, and, and God begins to stir inside of them and starts to reveal and shows them things to come. They have, a lot of them have prophetic voices, but in the world today, the prophetic voices have not ceased They're still out there. And when you start to notice that there's a pattern of message for the world coming out through the prophetic voices, take heed, listen. Listen to the prophetic voices. Seek them out. Not so that you can just get a word for yourself or you get a word for the kingdom. A lot of people always are seeking for a word for themselves when they got plenty of words for themselves. They're right here. There's tons of them. But what we need to do is we need to seek the patterns that we see in the prophetic voices for how we can engage in our world. Knock until you get some revelation. Man, start getting on your knees and praying until God reveals some things to you about some of these issues. When you're making big decisions, big health decisions for yourself or for your family, Get on your knees and seek God's insight until you get a revelation. Just sit there on your couch and just say, God, I'm not leaving here until you speak. I'm going to listen, whatever you tell me. 
Some of you need to pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit because the, the Holy Spirit will show you things that are to come. If you just ask, just ask the Holy Spirit to show you things to come. Get back to those basics and heighten your discernment so that when things come, challenges come your way, you're not just pursuing your own want or the culture around you, you're pursuing what the kingdom of God has revealed to you. And guys, guess what? As you heightened your sense of discernment, you watch how you will have clarity on things that you'll have conviction on and it won't be just because somebody told you. It won't be because this is the trend. It won't be because this was the headlines. It'll be because God revealed something to you. And you will have that locked in your spirit so strong that it won't matter who opposes it. The spirit of God revealed it to you and you're very comfortable in, in, in that conviction. Would you stand on up to your feet and let me pray for you. Lord, I pray right now that you would give us the gift of discernment all around this room. May there be a kingdom discernment. And Lord, I pray that um, even though this is kind of a heavy topic, I pray that people would leave here with a, a lightness about them knowing that you are out there ready to, to pour out to them wisdom and discernment that goes beyond their years and beyond their training in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let me just say this to, to all the men. This Saturday for our men's breakfast, make sure you're there. That's all I'm gonna say. Just if you, if you don't have anything else that's pressing or you're in town, make sure you're there. We'll be right out in that foyer. We're gonna pack that foyer out we're gonna have a great breakfast, but the conversation and the things that come forth on that Saturday are going to be monumental. Okay? Let's get ready so that we can be agents of the kingdom and respond to such a time as this. Amen? God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Prayer partners will be up here to pray with you. Those of you that want to wake up your discernment, come get prayer. Those of you at home, we'd love to pray for you.